thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. Hello and welcome to this podcast, which comes to you from Dubai, because we're at the 11th next year Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Conference. It promises to be an exciting one for all of us, given the developments we have witnessed in the UAE, as well as in the region. Dubai has become a symbol of supreme success and a leading business destination at the forefront of innovation. The UAE has taken strides to improve upon its existing bankruptcy and insolvency regimes to ensure that it remains capable of facing the very modern challenges presented by the current climate and is fast becoming the preferred jurisdiction of the Middle East. The conference will address several relevant topics, including new legislation for bankruptcy, cross-border issues and digital assets. There's an impressive lineup of speakers and guests from all over the world, and some of them will be joining us for this podcast so I hope you find it useful. If you want any further information about any of the issues discussed on this podcast, or you want to get in touch with any of the speakers or other people featured, then please do contact us through the Nexia website, nexia.com. Thank you. I was joined first by Nick Briganza of HFW, and he was speaking on evolution of the DIFC's insolvency practice. Nick is a dispute resolution partner in HFW's Dubai office and has worked in the UAE since 2012. He has a broad commercial disputes practice with a focus on fraud and insolvency, as well as shareholder and joint venture disputes. Nick has also expertise in the enforcement of foreign court judgments and arbitration awards in jurisdictions in the Middle East, especially in the DIFC courts, in which he has acted in a number of the leading landmark cases. Nick, how are you? Good. Uh, thank you very much. Yes. No. I just finished uh, the presentation uh, at, at, on the uh, on the on the stage on the podium, uh, and it went it? well. It went well. It seemed quite well received. People were listening, looking up. Yeah, I heard so, clapping. Oh, <laughs> clapping is always good as well. That's always yeah, good. Absolutely. So, your session was on the evolution of the DIFC's insolvency practice. So, what is the DIFC? So within Dubai, we have a um, a financial free zone, which is the DIFC, Dubai International Financial Centre. And um, the DIFC was um, created in 2004 uh, by an amendment to the actual UAE's constitution. And within the DIFC, they have disapplied onshore law. um, So they have their own law. They have their own civil and commercial laws. Right. And they have, um, they are attracting the biggest businesses, banks, law firms, insurance companies, asset managers to kind of do business because it's, they've got their own law, which is based on the common law, you know, yeah. business law, and they've got a very well developed, you know, business. So it's a really exciting place to yeah. be at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, can you summarise what the key changes to the insolvency practice um, have been here? Because obviously that was what your presentation was about. So yeah, the top absolutely, line. absolutely. Um, so the insolvency law was um, passed in 2004. It was amended in 2009. And, and that was the first time we had an insolvency law. 
in this country. Um, So it was the very first time, you know, they imported a lot of English concepts, things like CVAs, company voluntary arrangements, liquidations, administrative receivers um, for the first time. Um, And then they amended the law in 2019 to bring in a kind of Chapter 11 bankruptcy regime, which is called a rehabilitation plan, to kind of take companies which are in distress, but not necessarily wind them up, but rescue them. And so that's what we've seen. Right, and have you found they've had a really positive effect? Yeah, I think it's still early days. Um, I think, you know, the, the amendments only came in 2019, and, you know, like all these things, it takes a while to see real change. But I think the kind of... The change to rescuing companies in, instead of kind of, you know, winding them up and cancelling them um, has been, is very positive, certainly. Oh. And what do you hope to get out of being at the conference? Uh, well, it's great to be here. And, you know, uh, HFW, um, which is a firm I work at, is one of the sponsors. I think um, it'd be great to, it's great to meet people from the Nexia network. You know, there are people from all over the world who've come into town yeah. and to make new acquaintances and contacts. So, yeah. No, that's excellent. Well, hopefully I'll see you at the dinner tonight. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you very much. All right, thanks, thanks. My second guest of the morning was Albert Sampson, who'd been speaking about dealing with jurisdictional issues in cross-border insolvencies. Albert is an English barrister at the Chamber's Four Stone Buildings in London, and he specialises in commercial litigation and arbitration, company law, insolvency, banking and financial services, financial regulatory law, civil fraud and asset recovery. Albert has particular experience of litigation in Dubai. Right, hello Albert, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Becca. How are you? Oh, I'm great, thanks. So how did it go? Did you enjoy your presentation? Yeah, it was a lot of fun to deliver it and I think the audience enjoyed it. They, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they thought it was interactive and it's always good to have a bit of an argy-bargy with a colleague, so Sharif and I enjoyed <laughs> arguing, arguing the toss over cross-border awesome. insolvency. So do you find it easier as a barrister to present, or do you think it's harder to do it in front of an audience like that? Well, uh, it's funny because we're used to arguing, so um, it's a very specific presentational style when you're before a judge. So you do have to work, try and think a bit about what's going to be interesting for the audience and how they're actually going to learn something from you. So it's a different, it's a different skill. Different technique, yeah, absolutely. So you were dealing with jurisdictional issues in cross-border insolvencies, and you presented two different problems, didn't you, um, which you then used as a way of teaching people how you would actually deal with those things. So I think your first one was um, if somebody was winding up a company but a creditor is threatening to commence or has commenced proceedings against it abroad, what can you do? So do you want to just give us your top-line guidance for somebody in that situation well absolutely i mean first of all it's never one size fits all in cross-border insolvency and secondly it's all about timing expense and tactics and so we were looking at the different things that office holders can do to achieve their goals um, and particularly to establish themselves and corral the creditors of of a of a company or of a person and get control of of the assets the, the first problem dealt with what to do when a creditor is starting a claim against your company or your, your debtor. And the first solution to that was to apply for an anti-suit injunction. They're great because they're fast. It means you get to go before the court and say, look, the, the, these people are giving me trouble abroad and um, I need you, the court, to help me maintain this insolvency process and keep some order. And judges like to hear from, uh, from office holders in that sort of scenario and they are very willing to help. Uh, the problem with that is that you've then got to go and enforce it abroad if, if you've got difficult creditors abroad trying to bring claims against you or trying to enforce against assets. Right. So, so that's the kind of big issue. And, and whether or not you're going to be able to do that depends on 
you know, what the attitude of, of the foreign court is and whether you can get your order recognised and then enforce its terms. So, right. so that, was, uh, that was the first solution. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then the second solution was to get your uh, insolvency process recognised abroad. The DIFC is a great place to do that if you're dealing with an insolvency in a different jurisdiction and you want to come here and enforce it here because the DIFC has quite sophisticated laws now since 2019 and the new insolvency law. And when you, in, when you get your process recognised, in general, you get an automatic stay of all, all adverse proceedings in that jurisdiction. So if you come here to the DIFC, get your insolvency process recognised, and creditors who are trying to bring a claim against you here or enforce against assets here can't do it because of the stay. Um, so it's a really valuable tool. It's a bit more of an involved process, but... You know, it's a fantastic tool because it just provides you with this blanket solution to the problem of difficult uh, creditors abroad. Well, it sounds like you're really enjoying working out here. So you're based in London, aren't you, your chambers? But yeah, you come out here a lot, do you? Uh, absolutely. The DIFC um, and Dubai is, is a fantastic market. It's becoming a really mature uh, place for legal disputes. And we do a lot of court litigation in the DIFC and a lot of arbitration here as a chambers. And for me personally, I've got... Uh, a few great clients out here so it's always a pleasure to come out and see them in Dubai. That's brilliant. Well thanks so much for talking to us Albert, that's brilliant. Thank you. It's a pleasure, thanks very much Becca. Fresh from chairing her panel session, Nicola Jackson came to talk to me and she'd been looking at the question, is liquidation a good way of recovering assets? Nicola is legal director in Clyde & Co's dispute resolution group and she's based here in Dubai. Nicola has been in the region since 2009 and she specialises in commercial and financial disputes before the DIFC courts and she's acted on a number of high-profile cases. Nicola advises on insolvency-related matters, DFSA investigations and regulatory disputes and she has extensive experience acting for both local and international clients on commercial and financial disputes before courts and tribunals in the UAE, Bahrain, Oman and Saudi Arabia. Hello, Nicola. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I'm really enjoying meeting everyone this morning. I know. Fresh out of the conference. I know. Looking slightly beaten up. (laughs) (laughs) They're always so glad when their section's over. But, um, I mean, you've just been chairing a panel about, um, and the question you set was, is liquidation a good way of recovering assets? So, is it? Is it? I know. Well, at the risk of sounding a lot like a lawyer, it depends. And are you a lawyer, (laughs) I am indeed. I am indeed. So, yeah, it it does depend, actually. Um, And it's quite interesting because the panel that were on before me, they said they thought the answer was generally yes. My panel, although I'm not sure whether this came out during the discussion, we thought generally no. Um, So that just goes to show that there's no one way, there's no right or wrong answer to that question. It's not a yes or no answer. (laughs) So they'll be fighting it out over dinner later. That's it, exactly. (laughs) Debating, as we we do. As we do. And I mean, you know, it's I think in the region, in the UAE in particular, so if you look at the major corporate collapses in the UAE since around 2019, which include the likes of Marker, NMC, KBBO, Abraj, Almasa, Drake and & Skull and Arabtech. Uh, many of those included fraud or allegations of fraud. The restructuring slash liquidation ratio is approximately 50-50. Oh, interesting. So I think what that shows us is that there are some successful court-driven restructures, even, even when fraud's involved. So 
I think that it can be it, it can be possible to restructure a company rather than put it into liquidation. Now, in terms of the asset recovery, now that that depends on your creditors and what assets there are in the company, how that how those assets are then you know, whether they're going to be, the company's going to be restructured and therefore the creditors are going to see, for example, ultimately, hopefully, eventually, a return on their, their you know, a sense in yeah. the dollar return, um, or whether that's going to be put into liquidation and then hopefully, ultimately, they would see a sense in the dollar return, um, maybe less likely if they're an unsecured creditor at the bottom yeah. of the pile. So, you know, we, we've, seen, we've seen examples of both in the market, but yeah, as I say, not a straightforward answer to that question. And that was me thinking we were all going to know once and for all. <laughs> anyway, were there any really interesting points that came out of the panel discussion? Because obviously you were going backwards and forwards for a while. And yeah, so. so there were a couple of interesting points um, that came out of the discussion. And one of them was the fact that the UK or, or England and Wales, I should say, England and Wales, the process of... Um, one of the procedures in, in the insolvency world is, is developing at the moment at the same time as the UAE is. And I think we are seeing some really positive developments. There was a, a lot of talk, and, and, and this interests people generally, the marker decision, which is a case that came out in the UAE courts last year, and it focuses on directors' liabilities. And there's always very a, a lot of interest in that case because I think it, it really spikes interest when you talk about directors' liabilities, and, and I'm talking about personal liabilities here. Yeah. You know, so in circumstances, in market circumstances, the directors were held to be liable for the company's debts, which were millions, and that really spikes some interest. So what happened after the marker judgment was that the UAE bankruptcy law was changed and right. the position was sort of pared back. And there was a question actually at the end of our panel about which is, what is the right balance? And again, <laughs> that's not a straightforward yes or no simple answer. But some of the points that came up were, you know, document, documentation. Make sure you document things properly. Um, and also... Um, a, a, that seems to be <laughs> something I have to do in doing this, let alone in law. <laughs> well, that's it, that's it. And then a, a shameless plug for my profession is lawyer up and do it sooner rather than later. Um, there was some, some discussions earlier in the, in the day about, you know, companies not taking advice quick enough um, and letting things get in a real mess before they consulted their lawyers. So I think that's always a, a, I think a that's good a piece common, of advice. common problem amongst many different, in many yes, different areas, yes, actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Something we normally see. Um, and what else did we see? So we, we saw some interesting discussion around the way that the different regimes in the UAE interplay with each other. So, for example, one of the largest restructurings we've seen in recent years is the NMC healthcare restructuring and that was an onshore Abu Dhabi group of companies that was re-domiciled into the ADGM which is a financial free zone in Abu Dhabi and put into a a formal administration process and we acted for one of the creditors and we had a claim in the DIFC courts which is a financial free zone within Dubai and it, there was a question around whether the administration order in the ADGM would be enforceable in the DIFC. 
And that, the answer was yes, but the process wasn't automatic. So that's quite interesting. And it's quite unique in that the UAE has these different legal regimes that then have to work together. Yeah. And it's not always straightforward. Um, so that's, that was quite an interesting yeah, no, angle. Absolutely. So it was a really interesting panel discussion and it was, very, um, it was very insightful to see the comparisons between the UAE, the different regimes within the UAE. So, for example, the onshore regime, the DIFC regime, the ADGM re- regime. And then it was, it was interesting to see that compared with England and Wales. We had an, an offshore perspective from um, an IP in Guernsey and we had some pearls of knowledge about how IPs and, and other people can use tools in other jurisdictions such as the USA to aid an IP's quest for, for recovery um, and to, to use things like document disclosure tools in the USA, in the DIFC. So yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great discussion actually. It was really interesting and I think that this topic generally is evolving in a lot of jurisdictions and there'll be some more interesting developments to come. Yeah, no, that's brilliant, Nicola. Thank you so much for your time. So have you met anyone really interesting, done some good work while you've been here as well? Oh, of course, yes. No, I've, I've done lots of interesting um, work since I've been in the UAE since 2010. So I've worked on a lot of interesting cases, in, in particular in the DIFC courts, which is a, um, a, an evolving jurisdiction. It's a young jurisdiction. And, you know, you can casually make law, which is really exciting. I casually made law last year in one of my cases. <laughs> oh, <such> show off. <laughs> You don't get to say that in many jurisdictions. No, no, no. I'll, so, I'll give you that. So, <laughs> Especially yeah. when you're from Sheffield. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's been brilliant, Nicola. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank it's you, Rebecca. After a lunch break, we were joined by Julia Lavoie and Elodie Trevelo, who were speaking about digital assets and insolvency. They covered the areas of cryptocurrency, tracing assets, regulation and fraud. Julie Lavoie set up a scan, which is a law firm specialising in restructuring, insolvency and court-appointed representatives. Her particular interest in crypto and blockchain has been fostered by the incessant search for new financing, as well as the need to understand how the legal framework will be disrupted by new innovation. Elodie Trevelo joined Delubach in 2018, first as the Head of Compliance for Investment Services and then as the Head of Regulatory Compliance and Permanent Control. She had previously worked for Credit Suisse in France as a senior compliance officer and as an internal auditor for BMP Barabar. Elodie looks into innovation and technology and the impact of these on the banking environment. So I've been joined by Julie and Elodie. I'm not even going to try the French accents or try my <laughs> French out on you because it's a long time since I did it. But it's great to have you here. Are you enjoying Dubai? Yes, yes, I really enjoy Dubai. And we can teach you a bit of a French accent, if you like. Oh, I'll work on that over dinner then. (laughs) That's great. So, I mean, you've been talking about cryptocurrencies and what the key issues are for people to know. So, from your point of view, what are the key issues that people should know? I mean, the the knowledge is so, ranges so much. Some people know a lot. Some people know practically nothing. And I expect that's true in the audience, you know, that there's people with a different range in that audience as well. Uh, well, this is very hot stuff nowadays. Um, I, I think what you should avoid is become too technical 
you just have to understand what the technology allows you to do, uh, but not digging inside the technology, uh, which is a thing for the engineers that we are yeah. not. <laughs> no, absolutely. So what, what do you see as the key, um, the sort of really key points for people to take away from your presentation today? Uh, well, that, that was the two main parts of the lecture. Uh, first part being uh, cryptocurrencies as a supply of cash and what you can do with that specific kind of cash. And second part being uh, the smart contract, uh, meaning contract that implement themselves uh, without the human factor. And this is uh, amazing, uh, confusing maybe, uh, frightening for some, uh, but it opens a wide, wide range of opportunities. Yeah, that's great. And what about you, Elodie? Um, I think crypto is a future of finance and crypto is right now. And most of practitioners will really have to manage case with crypto assets. So they need to be aware of EML risk and how uh, to analyze these cases. So they need to have the bas basic knowledge of what is crypto, how we manage that, and how we, we can manage specific risks like email or anti-money laundering uh, issues. And how do you think things are going to go ahead in the future? Do you think they're going to keep changing? Like, really I'm quickly? sure we are in the middle of a big, big change in finance because, you know, when the uh, standard finance providers are now working with pure player, crypto players, and we see a lot of collaboration right now. Um, I spoke of Binance and MasterCard. MasterCard is a big card issuer, so if MasterCard is working with Binance, the main exchange of broker in, in crypto, it's something for me. You know, it's a, a just a really, really good example that crypto is now you need to be aware that your environment is changing and you will have to manage a crypto client and crypto customer at the end. So maybe, yeah, if you're interested now, you're um, getting some time for, for yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You improve your opportunities yeah. in the future going forward. Well, are you, I mean, are you finding the conference generally useful for you and being here? Have you found this morning's lectures useful? Yeah, for me, it's, it was quite interesting because, you know, I have only general knowledge about insolvency and you have a lot of people from everywhere. So we discussed this, this uh, during the lunch, we discussed with someone from uh, from here, but he was uh, from New York, so we had different perspectives, and it's really, really interesting. That's excellent. What about you, Julie? Have you found it helpful? Uh, yeah, totally. Um, what I find interesting is that the, this, this topic um, is, uh, uh, is, is widely spread um, in an international community uh, nowadays. So, so we did it in Paris, we, we did the same conference in Madrid, now in Dubai, uh, so there's an ecosystem uh, of business and law cases and um, so we can exchange some information and our experiences and, and that is, that's really nice. No, that's brilliant. Well, it's been lovely for to see you both and I'm so glad you came along and it's really great to talk to you today. So hopefully catch up with you again later. Right, thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. I was joined by Scott Stewart, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the Turnaround Management Association based in Chicago. 
TMA is a global non-profit organisation of nearly 10,000 turnaround and corporate renewal professionals. Stuart is an industry-leading attorney with more than 30 years of experience in restructuring, litigation and distressed investment. He started his career with the United States Department of Justice and has held leadership and board positions with the American Bar Association, American Bankruptcy Institute and the New York Institute of Credit. He also has a proven track record of building, growing and leading successful companies, from corporations to start-ups. Also on the panel is Cameron Belia, who's a senior partner with Clayton Utz in Australia. He is recognised as a leading litigator and restructuring lawyer. He was appointed as chair of the Australian Turnaround Management Association Board and is also a member of the Law Council there. He is a regular lecturer in the University of Western Australia's MBA programme. Rainer Colgan is an experienced turnaround restructuring and change professional, working in various roles as a consultant and advisor and also as an interim restructuring or transformation officer. He has worked internationally in Europe, Latin America and the USA. Hi, Scott. It's great to see Becca, you. It is great to finally meet you in person know, after having done that podcast, it <laughs> seems like forever ago. I know, but it's nice when suddenly somebody becomes 3D rather yeah, than just yes. a flat screen, flat screen. And then we've got some Aussie here with us as well. We on the do. About what he's doing here, none of us is really well, sure. Well, I'm just so. hearing really good stories about Sydney. That time that you went to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I thought we were going to keep that secret between ourselves. <laughs> Not at all. It's a shame Scott had laryngitis, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you've, got, you've done this panel on the future insolvency, the post-pandemic world. So, I mean, for you guys, what were the key things that came out of it? Well, Cameron, do you want to start? Yeah, look, policy on a, later on a Monday afternoon, how bad can that be? But <laughs> I think we managed to keep the audience going pretty well. I think two key points come out. Number one is that where professionals across nations, different languages, cultures, legal systems, all the rest, yet we speak a similar, similar language, and that is restructuring. If we get in early enough, we can demonstrate real value, give backs to companies, save enterprises, and bring um, the communities back to life that they operate in. So that's got to be the first. And then the second is uh, if you get in with the director and you convince them of the benefits of a restructuring plan, take them through all of those uh, equity uh, uptakes, the debt changes, the strategic plan, the behavioural changes, the um, engagement with the human resource side of the business, then you're going to end up with a stronger business than you came into a yeah, stress situation. Yeah. Scott, how about you? Well, getting into the weeds a little bit from what Cameron was <laughs> saying, um, I think we're entering a period that I'd call the years of great volatility. We're suffering from an energy crisis, a food crisis, a supply chain crisis, and the uncertainty around the Ukraine war. So we're just in this period of high uncertainty. That would be takeaway one. As far as the restructuring world, to to Cameron's point, uh, there's a lot that can be done to fix what's broke. And right now, in this period of volatility, are we talking about something that's temporary or something that's going to be long-term and sustained? And is the model of what our economies uh, are changing in such a way that the need for restructuring is going to become much more front and centre than it has been in periods past. Yeah, I think that's very true. So, I mean, it's, it's quite a, a depressing story, really. In well, not for restructuring. Well, not for restructuring, <laughs> but, we're but the, the people, world we're is gonna, We're the people that are going to make the world a better place. <laughs> no, absolutely. Sure. But are you going to cheer yourself up at the big shopping mall down the road? <laughs> well, that is a possibility. <laughs> Right. How are you finding the conference generally? Are you um, enjoying being here? Have you 
Mason, you contact CEB meeting. Uh, absolutely. I mean, next year is incredible the way it brings people from around the world together to talk about a common topic. They had Americans speaking about their systems. They, for once, didn't disagree with the Brits. The Brits were <laughs> reasonably complementary of the American wow. system, <laughs> which is the first time I've heard that for a long time. And then everyone's watching with great interest with uh, the systems here in the Middle East and how they're developing. We're finding that the organisation is getting um, better and stronger. Excellent, excellent. Well, what about you, Scott? Do you feel that you've gained from being here? I think this has been a wonderful opportunity and the internationalism of the professionals that are present all come with different cultural backgrounds, professional backgrounds, and certainly this part of the world, which has been the least familiar to me in my life as a professional, it's been wonderful to learn about this growing economy and the challenges and growing pains that, uh, that, it's, that it's facing. Um, but it's certainly been a pleasure and an honor to participate with such uh, an important, outstanding and impactful group of professionals from around the world. That's wow. great. E- even Second the Aussies sitting even next the to me. Well, look, mate, I better take my surfboard and head off then. <laughs> And in a very strange turn of events, the German has arrived late, <laughs> which is unheard of. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, would you like to come and join us on the sofa, right? <laughs> sure. The sofa's getting smaller. Right? Yeah. The sofa's getting smaller. Okay. <laughs> it's oh, becoming a very all. chat show, isn't very. it? No, no, you stay. No, you yeah, no, it's perch on the arm. Perch on okay. the arm. Oh, so, yeah, me too. This is oh. very cosy. If no, you could see us around. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... So they've just been telling me work. what their key points were that they took out of the panel session that you've just done. Yeah, it was a shame we um, ripped Brainer so much, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the standing ovation we received. The standing ovation, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because it was the, the, the last session of the day, obviously. Before, <laughs> before cocktails. Before cocktails, <laughs> so everybody was looking forward to that. So what were your top takeouts on the future? On the future? Um, it's, uh, well, I mean, it, it, it sounds very simplistic, but the outlook is uncertain. And I'm afraid that the more time passes, it's going to be even more uncertain. Uh, things will develop more rapidly uh, with development on technology on social behavior, uh, so it's going to be less predictable than it has been, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. So the times where you could do stable, let's say, planning for five years, seven years, uh, once in a while, uh, they're over, which is for many people in industries where assets are being used over 20 and, and depreciated for like 20 in finance, 20, 30 years really become an issue. So, I mean, you've had to stand in as chairman, <clears throat> and we're very grateful for you for doing <laughs> that, because they're dropping like flies. Yes, I'm the, I'm the last man standing. Is that how you're promoting the We've had one go with COVID, one with COVID, one with an eye problem. Yes, that's... Uh, Get more doctors, I guess. If, 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 you're, if you're working in the turnaround and restructuring profession, it, it takes its toll. Yes, so. I think we're going to get the committee insured well, you know, next the, year. At the Turnaround Management Association, we call it pivoting with purpose. And it's smile on our faces. Yeah. So do you feel, as a last word for the conference, have you felt it's gone well? 
You were brilliant, obviously. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I think uh, the conference went uh, very well, uh, and, and we're obviously looking forward to the second day tomorrow. Uh, but the first day, it was uh, much better than uh, what I personally expected and also what my colleagues uh, told me uh, over lunch break. So it's really um, a success. No, so that's brilliant. It's, it, it was worth all the work and effort which was put in. Mm. Yeah, we'll just get you um, a sofa to lie down on later. <laughs> have a rest. I, pr- I prefer the drinks. <laughs> I think we all do that. <laughs> Maybe sofa later. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where see, we're all going now. <laughs> see, that'll get people to the... <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, you guys. Thank that's you. really thank good. You. Thank nice you. to see you all. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. All views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation.